1: Welcome to The Big Stream. I'm Kyle Coster. I'm back with Stephen Douglas. It's been too long since we got to discuss television. Uh, we've been off since Succession ended. Awaiting The Bear, which is a show that both you and I last year came to early um, and, and were part of that huge organic movement, I thought, in recognizing this off-the-radar show as being one of the best things that was being created. Anticipation for Season 2 was... Sky High. It came out last Thursday. Um, We thought the best way to do it is to go through the first five episodes because there's a pretty big diversion in the sixth episode. It's kind of like a standalone movie. Uh, And then we're going to get to the eventual point with the final three. This discussion will center around the first five episodes of season two. Uh, I guess the place to start is when we come back, for forgive the pun, there's quite a bit of table setting to be done uh, in the first episode. And we immediately realized that this season is going to be a pretty stark diversion from the thing that we came to love. And I think degree of difficulty wise, I respect the chances that they took. Uh, I read one review that they stripped everything that made the show great away um, and eventually still succeeded. I'll leave you with this. I'm not a hundred percent sure they're going to succeed in my eyes, because there's some things about this show that maybe I forgot about the general tone and tenor, but how did you find the first half of the season and what is it like to
2: have it back in your life? Well, first of all, it's good to have it back. Um, It's a, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to throw around the word enjoyable because I think uh starting this new season, what has struck me most, and I, I think I remember it from uh season one is like this show just accurately it it makes you feel the stress of work, no matter what your job is. It makes you feel the stress of work while you are sitting on your couch. You're just dropped into these uh scenarios, these high pressure situations where you know people's livelihoods are seemingly on the line. And it's just, it's so well done. I mean, it, it's really good. The actors are all great. They do mostly uh, things that make sense. So I think it's definitely good to have the bear back. And I think my main uh, problem right now is the streaming situation where they dump everything at once i really wish that this was a show that was like two episodes a week for a month and a half um where we would be able to digest and discuss but like i mean it came out what like last thursday night and by like friday afternoon saturday i'm seeing people talk about things that happen like just making references and jokes about something that happened like the episode six which we'll get to next time and you're like i've got to get to this because i don't want spoiled and I, i want to be in on the conversation and now i'm there and i don't want to ruin it for anyone so i mean this isn't like i think you should leave you know where they dump everything at once and then you just go through it and i mean you can't really have something like that spoiled um you can be annoyed that you're you haven't gotten to that part yet but like with the bear, I mean, there's there's pl- they're actual plot points, you know, and you don't want to ruin any of the surprises.
1: Yeah. So we start in going back to the old beef shop um, and we're going to be starting the beef phase two or the bear or whatever it's going to be called, because apparently the first one didn't even have a license. Um, you know, Mikey ran things a little fast and loose, hid some money in the walls and in jars kind of a slipshod operations there. And then we start with discovering that they've found all that money, but instead of paying their debt back, uh, we've simply raised the stakes by saying, we're going to double down on it and we're going to get old uh, Cicero played by Oliver Platt, who's a fantastic part of the show to come in and say, look, if we fail, Uh, at launching this new thing and we want this to be a bit more highbrow and to get a Michelin star that's important to Sydney. it's not as important to Carm but he wants to like facilitate those things for the people that work for him because he is a caring boss that plot device um did it strain credulity for you
2: I think uh yeah the whole money situation uh going back to finding the money in the cans in the uh final minutes of season one was something that bothered me then and i think we kind of shied away from talking about it because it was so early after the show had come out that we were doing the podcast and we didn't want to ruin it but i mean and then i, I saw like a interview with one of the with like a writer and he's like i i've read so many things about people who do something like that hide drugs or money and uh tomato cans because drug sniffing dogs might not be able to uh, smell through it. So, I mean, I guess it's a real thing, but like, I still can't get over the idea of the drug addict uh, being a high level uh, squirreler where he's putting up like a hundred grand into tomato cans and just sitting them there. And it's like, nobody else is going to, he's not going to have a sick day and nobody's going to try and make spaghetti. Um, I it just, and then and then we find out that they don't pay back the loan. That was just shocking to me. Like I, w- I was under the impression that like they were in danger of losing everything when they found this, and Oliver Platt's character was like, he was the, he was hanging over their heads, and instead he's letting them, without paying anything back, he's letting them open a new restaurant, which. Is a very uh has a very high level of failure for the restaurant business, as they really point out in the early episodes, talking about I mean, just everything that went went away during COVID, and then on top of that, just all the there's Sydney's talking to the chefs in the different places, and like, yeah, I you know, I had a bad business partner, my everything went well until it didn't, and I mean, restaurants fail. It just this part makes no sense to me. I'm sorry. That is a quibble that I agree with. Uh, I might have some more notes uh,
1: going forward, but let's kind of focus on some of the positive things um, from the first half of this season. The second episode pasta, I think was really cool exploration of Sydney who has risen her ability up and her importance up uh, showing the creative, Inspiration uh, is kind of like a dream sequence. The dish comes to her. uh, And anytime we're focused on the actual food or the establishing shots of Chicago or later uh, when Marcus goes to Copenhagen, it's really beautiful. And it's so enjoyable to watch. That part is great. And the conversations when they're one-on-one are fantastic. And I think what the show is trying to do is I was struck by how saccharine sweet it was uh upon return um it kind of feels uh too cute by half uh, a lot of times but against that backdrop there are struggles we see that sydney can't get her dish uh perfected we have the gambit where tina and ibra are being sent to like a fancy school and tina is thriving while ibra uh is simply smoking the largest cigar i've ever seen in my (laughs) life uh down by Lakeshore Drive and and playing hooky, uh, we're seeing Richie. Uh, you don't have to guess what his, you don't have to guess what his mindset is because, like, one of the first things he says this season is, "What is my purpose?" I don't have purpose, and then we get all Kantian and existential in the basement. So they do have struggles, and I think that the one-on-one conversations are fantastic. I understand what they're trying to do with the rat tat language and almost the sorkin-esque dialogue that's happening and how loud and dissonant and noisy everything is but at the same time i find it very difficult to watch and right. it i don't know if it stresses me out or if i just don't like it because anytime there's a cacophony of 15 different voices at one time i really struggle to Go with the show. I just want that scene to end so we can go to a quiet moment of, of Carm and Sydney uh discussing the menu in his uh Spartan apartment or him rekindling a romance uh with an old flame. All that stuff is fantastic. But when it's an ensemble group and some characters like FAC are just there for the laugh lines to be like the goofy people, I feel like. There's a moment where Sydney's going through the menu and, and Tina tries to tell her that it, she's doing too much, that they're balancing too many things. And Sydney says, Yeah, now I see it. It's a lot. I should reduce it. I wish that the writers would have taken their own advice that they shown there and kind of like focused on a smaller picture instead of trying to ensure that everybody gets to handle the ball, with the caveat that the Marcus episode, when he goes to Copenhagen, was one of my favorite of the whole series. Um, but I do I am a little bit concerned uh that we're passing the ball too much,
2: yeah, um the Marcus to Copenhagen thing uh, was definitely awesome. Um, and I think it's again this is this is a show where one where a creative person gets to do what they want and you know, they told their story that they want to tell in season one. and now I think it's what i'm gonna refer to as like ted lassoing i mean they're back and they're gonna start to give all these secondary characters uh bigger like standalone things and i mean they do a good job but i mean how much how much dessert making do we really need to see from marcus who's all already a very good dessert maker um and what i think so far See so again, this is. I mean, we're only a few days in, and like I've seen most of the season, and you know, we. I don't want to spoil it. I want to talk about the first half, but I think one of the in the second half of the season, another one of the strongest episodes. It's kind of more of a, a standalone plot for one of the characters. So you know, they get to they're really exploring the space, and I think the big problem is like with the Latina the storyline, is that I mean, it's something you mentioned to me. It's like. she went and she's obviously excelling, you know, she's just uh, getting this opportunity from, and Sydney saying, you know, she can be like her, her sous chef or whatever. Um, It's obviously a big deal for her, you know, it's her changing this from a, a job to a career, probably in her mind, and getting to go to school, which I mean, she's basically like going to college now, which is something she probably missed out on. And there's like, we get what's happening you know she's standing out in class she's getting a rapport with all her classmates she gets asked out for drinks but i mean that's just something that was just like so abrupt and then it's like we don't see her actually talk to anybody at the bar she just gets up and does karaoke and you know she has a beautiful voice which are all her classmates are like oh she's a person you know i mean that kind of thing this is the kind of thing that could have like been like a st- c d e f story if you strung it out through the season just like show or going to classes and just a little bit at a time but i mean they they have the 10 episodes they have a quarter of an episode that they can commit to tina you know getting her wings and so they're kind of giving you the quick beats i mean we we know what's happening but you know she does a great job selling it so and to go back to something that you started with was, you know, Chicago being, I mean, I want to go to Chicago now after watching this, you know, cause I mean, they, they do such a great job of, you know, we've, we probably talked about last time making the city, one of the characters. Um, so I'm ready to go back to Chicago and eat in these fancy restaurants, uh, that I can't afford, but you know, that's why we bring Brian. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and shout out to
1: Boz. Uh, over at uh, Gibson's. Uh, You're always in our hearts and not far from our minds. I think that when you're making a show about art, um, you need to take artistic chances. And I love that they're doing that. And I appreciate the courage. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome how much everybody cares um, and, and maybe for me, it's a, it's a product of getting a little bit older and, and having a family of my own where work has kind of like moved to the background a little bit. Um, mm. and to go to, yeah, I know shocker, uh, and to go back to the Sorkin thing, uh, and, and not to dwell on it too much, but to me, the bear reminds me a lot of sports night. Uh, and sports night was a very important show to me, um, Came out around a time where I decided what I wanted to do in my life was basically what they were doing on Sports Night. And those episodes were pretty similar uh, by being bottle episodes where a problem arises and they're able to work through it. And there are a million words per minute uh, and it's wrapped up kind of with this flowery, poetic, um, kind of hits you over the head Uh, in types of ways like, hey, people can do this, or they're not subtle with all of it. And I loved that when I was 15, 20 years younger than I am now. And I really wonder if like my cynicism and the thought of, okay, well, it's just work has kind of like blocked me from really going full bore into this thing. And it's a kind of a disappointing thing to realize, but I'm, I'm just wondering if other people are watching this um, and they're in the same state that I am, if they really um, enjoy that sense, like this is the only thing is this job, because that's really hard for me to connect with. And I wonder how resonant that is with everybody in the world now too, is like jobs have kind of become
2: like something you do. I don't know. It, it kind of reminds me of it. It feels like when, like when we went to our, our thing in Chicago, and you know, it's just it's the five of us locked in that room, you know, trying to figure out what the big lead is going to be. You know, I mean, that's kind of that's it's just a it's that's our art. I mean, it, it may not be as uh, beautiful or tasty as a, uh, a three Michelin star dinner, but uh, but for us, it's it's important. So, I mean, I I connect to that part. And again, like, it's just, it can be so stressful. I mean, this show, it's, this is like, it's a very good show, but it it can be a hard watch. It's something that I remember people complaining about uh, during the first season when they're like, you know, I can't binge I mean, it's a half hour show and people are like, I can't do two of those in a row. It's just too stressful. And uh, going back to all the, all the noises, and it, it makes for a funny scene, but also very stressful. Like they're, they're, they're pounding on the walls and there's an alarm going off in a crawl space for some reason. And, you know, and Richie has the perfectly delivered blind from the other room, which you would not be able to hear the actual conversation. So, I mean, it's just, it's so well done, but it's, it's, it's a lot to take in. And, again, that's why I really wish this was something that would uh, come out, like, once a week. And talk you keep talking about Sorkin and bringing up Sports Night. i That would be a very good thing to bring back now with the way the sports news industry is moving. Uh, I'd like to see, like, a, a 10 one-hour episode version of that instead of, like, uh, whatever idea he has to bring back the newsroom, which I'm not reporting. I, I just made that up. But sir, well, sir great i show. want
1: you and the first captain to be the first on board to know that we are bringing back sports night um the sorconissance as they say and you know to push against a little bit of of my own criticism here is i think you could view this first half of the season and saying well we don't get happy endings here um you can tick through the characters um carmy is obviously super stressed. I, I, I'm assuming it's going to work out in some form or fashion. He's opening himself up to love and he's showing a different side of him. He goes to his first party in in ever and ha- has a great time as the party animal Logan. Uh Richie is, you know, he's he's weekend dad, uh, and he he is inundated with Taylor Swift and he needs a break. Uh, he has to explain that to his small child. Sydney's father still. Though loving and supportive, doesn't fully understand uh, why she's going to forego uh, salary. Marcus is dealing with his sick mother who has outlived uh, the life expectancy at this point, but it's still not gotten any easier. Natalie Sugar, she's back. Um, the great Abby Elliott of SNL fame is getting more screen time this year. Uh, she's also pregnant. That's fun.
2: Yeah, it's it's great having Abby Elliott uh, have some more screen time. She's definitely good. Um, You know, it's I mean, she was on SNL for, I mean, it was very short time, I think. And, you know, she's obviously I mean, just like every character on this, every actor here deserves uh, to be working nonstop. Um, So, yeah, it's great to see Abby Elliott more. And
1: the guest stars that they have, Will Poulter as Chef Luca uh, in Copenhagen is unbelievable, uh, nailed the accent. He's fantastic. And every single thing that he does. And, you know, we're not going to talk about episode six, uh, what happens in it. I'm only halfway through, but I've never seen more star power on television in my entire life. We can talk whether that works or whether that becomes distracting. They're taking big swings. Um, this show was made, on an extreme budget and kind of like FX was like, all right, make the show not expecting it to become this phenomenon on, on a shoestring budget. And like the fact that it became what it was, was a miracle. And now it almost feels like it's no longer your special thing. It's no longer the underground band, um, it's uh, it's been relegated. We're not we're not talking about Wrexham. It's like if Wrexham was in the Premier League, got that inf- influx of money because uh, you know you don't have to pay back your loans. And I think yeah. that it's hard to not see that, and it, it's hard to not push back against it. But I think that on the other side, you could say that like, well, that's awesome. That something that's really pretty magical. And a success story is now giving all the resources and has the gravitas to get whoever they want and their choices and every single person that you see, even from like the contractors that are coming in and making like a peanut butter sandwich instead of working, everybody just nails it. And you see a diversity of personalities that aren't really one dimensional. Uh, they all like to crack wise, but I think it's a real challenge to, uh decide how character 14 is going to interact with character 15 but it all does seem pretty believable even if it's uh, a little bit tidy in the television sense these people feel like real human beings and i think that that's something that we're probably taking for granted and maybe grading on a harder curve because this has ascended to a level where it's uh 1b or 1c against succession
2: yeah um whoa that's 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 lofty that that, th- that completely threw me off to... but
1: don't you think? don't you think that like uh, universally this this show was loved and given oh, that yeah phase, I think i I've been watching it through the mindset that the commentariat believes that this is a, a top three show and now the succession is gone, maybe the thing that people were most looking forward to because I can't think of who would step in to fill that void and maybe the contrast of styles has been so difficult for me to wrap my mind around. And also I've been watching this uh, while I've been watching season three of Dave, which are kind of quirky in the same sense, but Dave is a bit more edgy. So maybe it's just a me problem where I'm kind of like having a hard time finding my North star. But I really believe that people are under the universal impression that this is kind of the standard bearer right now. Is that news to you or you just had never really heard it explicitly stated?
2: Yeah. I'd never heard it. I, but I mean, it makes sense. It's like hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes first season and second season. Um, obviously the cast is all amazing. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's not that outrageous. It was just a little shocking to actually hear someone say it out loud. Um, and I, and you know, they did a good job because I remember when we talked about the first season I think we were both like, I don't know where the hell they go with this. I don't know how they get a second. I mean, they told the story. It was a great story, entertaining, uh, stressful. But it's like, I mean, are we really going to sit there and watch them put this restaurant together? And the answer is yes, we are. We're going to watch it and we're going to enjoy the hell out of it. While also uh, having stress streams about uh, tasting menus. Um, But yeah, to, to... all the 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 food stuff um is just so meticulously and beautifully uh put together um and i don't remember how how long ago we watched the menu but i i think we either when we reviewed the menu or when we talked about yeah it must have been when we reviewed the menu just uh the idea of like the bear staff working at uh at whatever that restaurant was called um Pretty much all all shows or all everything about a restaurant is either the bear or the menu for me now, and uh, I I just I just love the the food porn the beautiful food art uh, as ridiculous as it is and I'll never eat it but I, I I enjoy looking at it. I think
1: though the difference where the menu is is poking fun um, at gatekeeping. Um, in that industry. The, the politics and the worldview of this show, I think, are really in the right place. Uh, it's egalitarian. Uh, so often the conversation is, is talked about. And that was another great part of the Copenhagen uh, episode, uh, where I thought that uh, Will Poulter gave, for me, my favorite part of this first half where he talked about how in his former job he thought he was in competition with someone and then he realized that that person was better uh and he talked about how that kind of like freed him up and he's like okay well i will try to keep pace with that and it was like you can spend all the time in the world in the kitchen but if you don't spend enough time in the real world you're going to be losing that and i think that everybody that we see Again, if we're going to tie all this together and in, in giving us more of their ethos outside of work, which I do think that it's thoughtfully considered that's what they're trying to do, I understand uh, the mission in, in making us feel like these are real three dimensional people um, who came about it honestly and through intensely hard work. Um, but they can't all do it by themselves. Um, the timeline is crazy, uh, the red tape is insane. I, I get stressed just thinking about the paperwork that they have to fill out and all the scheduling, because like that would be my ultimate nightmare. And I think that it reflects a, a world that is, is truer to life than so many other workplace dramas we ever see. And, and, and part of that is boring. And part of that is annoying, but that's the way it be. And that's the way that it goes. And I think that like, it's just, not disconcerting, but it's almost like, even if you're not in that world, it's kind of like they're reflecting the mirror back on you and all the stuff that you go through and the stress uh, we both have with, with three kids running around all the time. It just feels exasperating and like, it's never going to happen. And that like, there's these unimaginable difficult obstacles ahead and you just feel like it's sink or swim at all time. And you wish you could uh, figure out a way to go station to station in five seconds instead of seven and a half, because, you know, on the margins, how much harder that's going to make your life. So it's, it's it's a revelatory experience to have something that feels uh, is earnest and is good and is, is positive in a way like Ted Lasso, but also with the crushing stress uh and uncertainty, because a good moment is never really allowed to breathe for too long before the next malady or snare or toil or whatever comes in to thwart that momentum.
2: Yeah, I, have you ever worked in a restaurant?
1: Uh, I have not. I, worked as a, at a nursing home uh, in a kitchen uh, producing kind of mass stuff. So some of the stuff um, does resonate a little bit, but certainly not with the paying customer clientele um, in in like where you're going to be getting um, reviewed for it. And I think we talked about this before that you hadn't either.
2: Yeah, no, I haven't, I, and I kind of enjoy, this is another one of those series where you're like immersed in a, in a completely different world. I mean, it's obviously not that far off, you know, I mean, it's, there's a restaurant near my house, you know, and there's, there are people in there, you know, trying to make their lives work. And there are people in there just with part-time jobs. And it's, it's nothing that, I've ever experienced like that. So, I I really enjoy that. I'd like I'd like to know how stressful this can be for someone who has worked in the restaurant industry, uh preferably somebody who's worked like a while in the restaurant industry because I find this all so stressful. Um I can't imagine them like having PTSD of like thinking back to when they were, you know, working for a chef who had incredibly high standards or something um so yeah i mean it's just i don't know it, it's just a it's immersive and it's it is enjoyable as uh stressful as it can be but uh yeah i'm so i i'm now i'm wondering you know are they gonna what do they do for a third season because I mean, they're. I mean, presumably they're going to have a successful opening by you know episode ten or whatever, and then it's like, then all the drama's gone. I mean, but you can come back and go and do standalone episodes about all your sh- all your new chefs going and getting the best training on- elsewhere so who knows
1: well it's a great question because you can see that um, they introduce uh so they're going to be introducing some new characters uh including alex moffitt uh also yeah. had a cup of coffee on snl and i think that the core of this show is not about uh maintaining success it's about finding success and i think it's uh it's an underdog um, you know, it underdog POV. So I think that bringing up kind of like that farm system of, of newer people and maybe cycling out some of the people uh, who have, we've grown accustomed to, um, you know, I, I don't want to single it out. The The fat character does not work for me. Uh, he'd be gone for me. I'd be, I'd be happy if, if he was out of it just because it's like, I don't need the broadness. Like I didn't need the broadness either of uh, when Richie's hitting the ceiling and mold falls on it. And I think that like if we could just dial that down a little bit and focus on more like the realism, uh, I I feel like that would hit uh, a a little bit harder. I'm really curious to see, too, how these new people are incorporated into the kitchen, too. Are they going to be presented as people who just don't get it? Uh, is, are they going to be buddy heads? Or are they going to be shepherd along? Or are we going to see how hard it can be for someone uh, just coming up with like the attrition? So it's a very muscly show. I think it works best um, when we're focusing on the small details. I just wanted to point out, it's so cool whenever someone's writing anything down and it go back to Carmi's apartment, which is just like, there's nothing there uh, where Marcus stays on the boat. You know, there's just that dining uh, room table. At anytime someone writes something down, it's just on this sheet of paper and it's a total mess. So I think that like that is really accurate for the type of uh, personality uh, that uh, is attracted to a kitchen as as well as all the cigarette smoking, um, yeah. you know, and the tattoos and stuff like that. And I think that even though you're seeing, you know, television people uh, and so-called elites doing it, I think that they cosplay very well to inhibit this ca- those characters.
2: Yeah, they're they're meticulous note takers, apparently, uh, which you know makes sense. Uh, the recipes are mostly written down. Uh and Carm, Carm's apartment, I do love that they have the uh the like clear whiteboard. Uh I don't know what you would call it, the clear board. Like he doesn't own he doesn't own anything. He keeps his jeans in his uh in his in his oven, which is something city people do. Um but the fact that the one thing he does have is this giant uh, clear board to uh, write notes down on is hilarious. I can't, I can't imagine him sitting down to order it off Amazon or uh, going down to the local office Depot or for, or whatever.
1: What do you think was the strongest part of the first half? What do you think was the weakest?
2: I love everything with Sydney uh, going around the city and checking out all the different restaurants and meeting uh what I assume are actual restaurateurs, but uh, maybe not. Maybe they are all plants or actors, as you might call them. But uh, her her difficulty getting uh, in touch with Carm at times is uh a little maddening. Um, which I don't understand why Carm wouldn't do that. You know, we think they would be in constant communication. But yeah, the cast, just everything, it's all very good. It's all still good. Um, it's, a, it's, it's all a stressful watch, uh, it, which is just um, the ultimate example of them just doing everything so well. Uh, it's just such a well-made show. And I can't wait to come back in a few days and talk about episode six. And then a few days later and talk about the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, for me, it's the earnestness, um, the showing people that this stuff can matter. It can mean the world to you even if it doesn't mean the world to other people. Um, the egalitarian nature uh that I mentioned earlier, I, I think that it's really cool to have something uh that isn't cynical, that isn't mocking. Um, and you know that's a real feat to do in in 2023 because you have to mix in uh kind of the dark side just like a recipe too much and it and it and it becomes too um, bipolar too little and it just seems like it's kind of dashed in there um i I, and then the the thing that that's uh been the hardest for me like, like i mentioned is is just existing in the specific vibe that they're trying to create um maybe it's just that season two is a little bit um different of a challenge than the first one and i'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it because I think it's one thing where you're trying to get through the day. I can understand the stakes there. Trying to extrapolate that into several months before an opening. Uh, I, I do find that the time frame uh and, and the direction of the characters gets a little bit muddled, but all in all, still a spectacular show. I can't wait to talk about uh I can't wait to come back and talk about episode six. Like I said, I'm I'm halfway through it. I mean, when John Mullaney showed up I just threw my hands up in the air because I was like okay we are certainly in uh, uncharted territory now and that was about eight uh, A-list guest stars from the end so that's going to be its its own feat we'll be back to discuss that uh, for Stephen Douglas I'm Kyle Koster this has been the big stream we got two more installments courses if you will of the bear coming up so don't load up on bread